The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode-starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases, to historic kidnapping, to gangsters, and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Before we dive into today's topic, we'd like to remind you that you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Just search True Crime Never Sleeps. And without further ado, let's dive into today's crime. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease, and on today's episode of Murder Monday, we dive into the Cosberg Axe Murders. This episode is sponsored by Good Ranchers. If you're anything like me, you know that good quality meat makes all the difference in your home-cooked meals. That's why I love Good Ranchers. They deliver 100% of American premium meat straight to my doorstep. Since I started using them, my barbecues have gone from great to phenomenal. If you're a foodie or just like a good steak, check out Good Ranchers. It's a game changer for meal times. You can use the link in the description and help support the channel. Before we dive into today's topic, we'd like to remind you that you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Just search True Crime Never Sleeps. And without further ado, let's dive into today's crime. On Friday, December 10th, 1965, at about 7 a.m., an unexpected visitor arrived at psychiatrist Bennett R. Wong's West Vancouver home. It had been a while since Dr. Wong last saw 17-year-old Thomas Kosberg, who now stood at his door. The teenager had asked for an appointment a few days earlier, but never replied to his doctor's message, suggesting a meeting on December 15th. So the fact that his client had come to his home so early in the morning without an appointment concerned Dr. Wong but nothing could have prepared him for what Thomas was about to say. The first four words were enough to send shivers down Dr. Wong's spine. I've done something awful. Born on October 2, 1948, Thomas Kosberg, excuse me, was one of six children of Osborne and Dorothy Kosberg. Thomas grew up in Vancouver with his three brothers, Barry, Vincent, and Osborne Jr., and two sisters, Marianne and Gail having reportedly a happy childhood. 
The Cosbergs were known to be a close-knit family. Osborne and Dorothy were loving parents, and the children adored them. Everyone was always there for each other, and even the neighbors remarked at the family, quote, had the nicest and most beautiful children. But despite the excellent home environment, Thomas eventually began to struggle. Although he was described as a heck of a nice kid who got along with everyone, Thomas was said to suffer from emotional disturbance and personality issues, which resulted in him often running away from home. Eventually, the situation got so bad that Thomas was sent to live at a, at a residence for disturbed boys run by the Central City Mission. There, Thomas didn't have any issues with the supervisors or other residents, but he kept running away, which obviously hindered his progress. In January 1964, Thomas was admitted to a government-operated mental hospital called Crease Clinic, where he remained until May of that year. After his discharge, Thomas continued attending group therapy sessions at the clinic and elsewhere. According to Crease's superintendent at the time, Dr. B.F. Bryson, Thomas's problems, quote, were of a nature that one would probably find in many teenagers of that age. In other words, nothing in Thomas's behavior indicated he was a danger to himself or others. He was simply seen as a slighted, slightly troubled young man who would eventually find his place in the world like so many others like him. During this time, Dr. Bennett Wong participated in Thomas's treatment for six months, but it's unclear how often the two met. Nevertheless, it was Dr. Wong who 17-year-old Thomas contacted in December 1965 asking for an emergency appointment. Reason why? The teenager felt he was in need of urgent help is unknown. Thomas likely just spoke with a receptionist and was told that Dr. Wong would get back to him shortly. So he did. Dr. Wong left a message to Thomas shortly after, establishing an appointment for Wednesday. But that information never reached the boy, at least not in time to prevent an unimaginable tragedy. On the evening of December 9th, 1965, Dorothy, her best friend Florence, and other family members were watching TV. The Cosberg home. Meanwhile, Thomas was in the kitchen, preparing milkshakes for everybody. It was a very normal and happy Thursday night, filled with laughter. Sometime around 11 p.m., Florence realized she had fallen asleep for a moment and decided to go home despite Thomas's suggestion to stay for the night. Soon after, Florence had gotten into her taxi, the Cosbergs retired to their beds, and the home became calm and quiet. At about 1 a.m., Osborne returned home after a ship, after a shift as a truck driver at the Allied Heat and Fuel Company and found, to his surprise, everyone already in a deep sleep. So Osborne also grabbed a milkshake and went straight to bed unaware of the danger lurking inside the house. Three hours passed with every member of the Kosberg family sleeping peacefully, but then at 4 a.m., Thomas suddenly got up. He crept out of his room to the basement where he picked up a double-bitted axe. Thomas then entered the bedroom of his family members one by one, raised the axe, hacked his siblings and parents to their heads multiple times. 15-year-old Barry, 11-year-old Gail, 2-year-old Vincent, 40-year-old Dorothy, 39-year-old Osborne all died in their beds from the severe skull and brain injuries without ever having a possibility to defend themselves. 13-year-old Marianne was left with horrible head wounds, but she was still breathing by the time of time Thomas fled the scene. After the utterly senseless and unprovoked massacre, Thomas changed his clothes before taking his father's car and driving away. Thomas didn't get far, however, as he ran into a power pole and was forced to find another vehicle to continue his journey. But although the teenager... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They managed to steal a car. Thomas soon realized driving around without a place to go was not going to work. He needed help. And so Thomas called Robert Estergaard, a youthful supervisor of Central City Mission. When Robert saw the teenager in the early hours of Friday, December 10th, Thomas was extremely pale and trembling. In addition to holding his stomach while doubled over for a moment, Robert feared that Thomas had tried to commit suicide by taking poison. The boy would even drift off to sleep now and again, but soon it became evident something else was going on. And Robert took Thomas to Dr. Wong to hopefully find out what had happened. When the two then arrived at Dr. Wong's residence at about 7 a.m., Thomas finally opened up. He admitted having done something awful. How many details Thomas shared about his crime with Dr. Wong, we don't know. But for 45 minutes, the two spoke before Dr. Wong contacted the authorities. Soon after, the police arrived at Main Street and East 22nd Avenue, where they were first greeted by a bright red Santa Claus in the front window. From the outside view, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. But as soon as the officers stepped inside the home, they were in the middle of a living nightmare. Inside the back bedroom, they discovered the body Barry, who had died alone, never seeing it coming. His sisters, Gail and Marianne, were together in their front bedroom. While there was nothing to be done for Gail, Marianne was still clinging to life and was rushed to the hospital where she underwent emergency surgery. Marianne would fight for her life for the next nine days before sadly succumbing to her injuries. In the master bedroom, the officers found little Vincent lying on the floor next to his parents' bed, dead from deep wounds to his face and skull. Osborne and Dorothy had died of similar injuries. But there was also a tiny bit of light in the darkness. Six-month-old Osborne Jr. lay in his crib, physically unharmed. For one reason or another, Thomas had not been able to strike his young brother with the axe. Perhaps Osborne Jr. had been awake, unlike the other victims, and was the only one able to look at the attacker. Whatever the reason, little Osborne Jr. was the sole survivor of the massacre. The investigators also discovered an almost empty bottle of 25 sleeping pills inside the house, which could have explained why everyone slept so deeply during the slaughter. Lawrence, who also drank a milkshake that evening, later recalled that Dorothy had mentioned it was strange how tired she was, and Florence herself fell asleep for a moment in the living room before ordering a taxi. Putting two and two together, it definitely seemed like Thomas had laced the milkshake with the drug to ensure his victims would not struggle. However, as the police then ordered autopsies and toxicology, toxicological examinations, they found no traces of bromine, barbiturates, or alcohol. So while circumstantial evidence suggested Thomas drugged his family, it has never been scientifically confirmed. After his arrest, Thomas was charged with five counts of juvenile delinquency in connection with capital murder. Needless to say, the teenager was then declared mentally ill on December 14th and committed to the Riverview Mental Hospital by cabinet order. Thomas was to remain in the hospital until partial or complete recovery was certified to the satisfaction of the lieutenant governor or until further cabinet order. In 1967, the case went to trial with adult charges, which now included six capital murders. Even though Thomas pleaded not guilty, he also admitted to attacking his family with an axe after drugging them with laced milkshakes in a statement of fact presented to the court by his lawyer. During the trial, two psychiatrists testified 
about Thomas's mental state at the time of the murders. According to Dr. Joseph Thomas, the teenager was, quote, an automatic person capable of carrying out a complex and deliberate plan, but at the same time, totally incapable of distinguishing right from wrong. Dr. Thomas believed that Thomas Kosberg's mental disorder, likely schizophrenic reaction, had been building up since his childhood and reached an uncontrollable state on the night he pressured his family. Furthermore, Dr. Wong explained to the court that when he sat down and spoke with Thomas immediately after the murders, the teenager had been fully convinced what he had done was morally justified. On February 16th, 1965, or 1967, excuse me, Thomas Cosberg was found not guilty by reason, reason of insanity. Mr. Justice G. Rutten ordered him returned to Riverview Mental Hospital in Fraser Valley. For the next 10 years, Thomas remained in the facility undergoing treatment and learning how to live in society. Apparently, he did an excellent job doing so. In 1977, Thomas was released from Riverview after being declared to pose no danger to himself. According to Dr. John Duffy, Thomas had become a sober, sensible fellow and he had no doubt he would be a model citizen who would never commit such a crime again. Dr. Duffy was not wrong. Thomas went to work as a biomedical engineer at BC Children's Hospital for 30 years. During that time, he married his wife Maggie and became a stepfather for five children. Those who knew Thomas in his adult years described him as an amazingly intelligent man, with a good heart but tortured soul. Thomas was a man with a twinkle in his eye and a wonderful sense of humor, but also secrets about his past. Thomas never spoke about his family, and while some of his loved ones found it strange, they never pressed the issue. It was not until Thomas Kosberg died on January 1st, 2016, at the age of 67, that his stepchildren discovered the shocking story of the axe murders. Let us know your thoughts on this case in the comments section below, and as always, give it a thumbs up if you like our video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that bell notification button to be notified of future videos. As always, you can catch Murder Monday episodes every Monday. And on Wednesday, we offer our main episodes. Um, this season, we are on Hollywood Homicides. And of course, if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash cinema, or TCNS, excuse me. That's buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. And as always, thank you so much for watching. And listening, we will see you next time. Thank you so much for watching. If you want to find more videos of Murder Monday, you can check them out right here. And if you want to check out other content, just click right here. Thank you so much for watching. And as always, we'll see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.